All right, and good morning, Ridgepoint Church. We're really glad that you're here. A couple of months ago, we had a chance to share that our goal and our focus as a church is to do a couple of things. First of all, collectively, we want us to be able to have settings and environments set up where we can gather together and, and, and figuratively or literally lift our hands and, re- and worship to our King, but also just as important as for us to reach out and service the people He calls us to love. And so that's why it's, it's so cool to be able to have Jordan and Jessa here leading us in worship and, and sharing their music with us. If we could one more time give it up for them. They're doing a, just a, a great, great work, which we'll get to in a second. They're actually, they're great people. We've had a chance to have them here a couple of times and just be able to interact with them and just be able to hear their heart for ministry in a setting like this or able to go on tour and to be able to share hope with the world around them. Uh, but also in the confines of their, of their local church, Jessa mentioned being part of a church in Nashville. And it's awesome to see what they're doing in the confines of that church and being able to reach out and what the church is doing. Uh, and, and so our goal as a church is to say, we want worship to be a big deal. And so we invite people in like that and they're great people with great music. But also, I found out a couple years ago, they also have a great taste for food. Uh, Bubba Chuck's had just opened up across the street, and so they just come here, and we had, we had them lead us in worship a couple of years ago. And I say, hey, afterwards, let's go and get some Bubba Chuck's. And about six months later, Jordan just randomly messaged me on Facebook, and he's like, hey, I could go for some Bubba Chuck's right now. And so, like us, they mourn the fact that Bubba Chuck's is no longer here. Uh, but great people, great music, and great taste for music. But today's a big day at Rich Point. We have a lot of stuff going on. Obviously, they're here leading us in worship. But also tonight, if you're still kind of on the fence about this whole status and all the stuff that's going to be happening, uh, tonight we're able to share some new information, some exciting things that are coming. We've not been able to talk about some of those things yet. So we've got two big announcements we've not been able to announce up until uh, tonight. One of those we'll only be able to announce tonight. So if you're thinking about it, be here tonight for status. You'll find out a whole lot of kind of full back the curtain and see what's happening at Ridgepoint Church. Some events are happening, particularly in the month of April. Some big things are going on. Uh, but then right after that, once status concludes, we'll have some, uh, a meal together. And then we're going to have volunteer training. And, and here's the deal. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. But for every one of us, God has, has uniquely and strategically gifted us to serve in the local church. For a lot of us, like I remember when I first started going to church and people trying to figure out, okay, what are your gifts? Where do you fit in? I said, I have no idea. I don't even know what it means to help out in the church. And part of that, honestly, was frightening to me. I didn't know what that looked like, and that wasn't me. I didn't grow up necessarily going to church. And so there was a little bit of intimidation factor, and I was scared for that. And so we want to make that, if you're still thinking about, hey, where do I fit in? We want to make that as easy as possible. Uh, so if you want to join us tonight, status at 4.30, the meal's at 5.30, and then we'll do the volunteer training from 6 to 7 in those areas Chris mentioned earlier. If you have any questions, come talk to us about that. But I'd really encourage you to be here tonight, find out some stuff that's going on, and be here for the volunteer training. But as we make this transition, as we start to talk about, uh, really, we, we kind of, because we're focusing this, this idea on worship, and we're talking about that, and that's one of our focuses as a church, we gave Jordan and Jessa a little bit of extra time this morning. They're going to come out, come back and conclude the service. Um, but as, as they do that, really, today's not really so much a message as, as a word of encouragement. I think that in, in our lives, especially, we get so busy, we get, get so consumed with kind of where life is at, and we all, maybe we're working or going to school or, or we're trying to maintain families, and there's, there's all these things that are going on, and sometimes we can just feel like beat down and, and, and worn down, and, and sometimes coming to church, it feels like just another thing that I have to do. Today, I want to tell you this. We're not going to give you anything specifically to do with this, with this message. Instead, I just want to provide a word of encouragement to us all I think we can all use that from time to time. And so we're starting off a new series next week. If you're all about that, next week be here. We're going to get a little bit deeper into this. But today, I just want to provide a word of encouragement, talking about this idea of hope. See, one of the things I love about bringing in Jordan and Jess and getting to hear their heart is they have a chance on a regular basis to go across the country and literally they go on mission trips across the world 
to be able to share hope in their own specific, unique way. And there's no doubt God has uniquely gifted them to be able to do that. They have incredible voices and they have this heart to be able to serve. But the idea that they're sharing hope with the world around them isn't unique to them. The truth is that if we're here today and we've, if we've said we've made a decision to follow Christ, then the hope that we have in our life is we're, we are being called to share that hope with the world around us. And it doesn't matter if we're gifted enough to play guitar or play a musical instrument or be able to sing. The message of hope is still the same. And God has uniquely and strategically gifted all of us to take that message forward, to use that in a local church, but also to be able to provide the hope that is contained inside of our life to the people we come in contact with. And here's one of the things that kind of starts to eat away at the fabric of who I am is that the world has kind of hijacked this idea of what hope is. And the truth is, we start to get this from the time we're very, very young. So I can remember, and maybe you were like me, and, and you, you grew up, and, and the idea of, of hoping for something you really, really wanted to have something. But the idea of, of the hope that you saw, the hope that you were longing for, wasn't a hope that came with a certainty attached to it. It was a hope that had a probability or maybe a possibility or sometimes an impossibility attached to it. And I can remember as a young kid sitting there saying, Mom and Dad, I, I hope I get this for Christmas or I hope I get that for my birthday. And I, and I knew that some of the things I was longing for in my life weren't necessarily things that eventually would be good for me. They weren't things that were probably within the realistic framework of, of what my parents could afford. And yet we get that. I think we were all there at some point. We sat there. Maybe at 10 years old, our birthday was coming, and maybe we're really big into cars. And you see a car drive by at 10 years old. Maybe it's like an old Mustang, and, and you saw it drive by and said, Mom, Dad, I want that for my birthday. And your parents would look at you like you're crazy. Like, I hope I have that. And there's no way in the world that that's what you're going to get. But sometimes we hope for these things these things that don't come with any degree of certainty at all. And we have this, this hope, but it's a false understanding of what hope is. And as you see just out, if you come in contact with people on a day-by-day basis, there are people that are lost, they're hurting, they're broken. And what they say they're longing for is, is hope. I want to have hope. The problem is they've been taught that a hope is this sometimes unrealistic expectation of, of what can happen. And we have this hope for the world to have peace. We have this, this hope for, for my family to have, to have some sort of conflict resolution. And I have the hope to get this and I have this hope to get that. And all of our hope is based upon these unrealistic expectations or this, this false hope. But here's the deal. Biblical hope is based on certainty, not probability. One of the first verses I ever remember memorizing as, as, a, as a young kid kind of stuck with me in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. We're being taught the idea of what faith is. And it says in Hebrews 11, 1, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. That, the, that our very faith, the thing that we possess, if we name the name of Christ, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The very thing that keeps us going is found in hope. And if that hope didn't come with a degree of certainty, then I'd wonder if it was genuine hope. And so as, as we're going to get in this, we're going to look at Ephesians 1 in just a second. We want to talk about this idea that, that biblical hope is based on certainty, not probability. Biblical hope is based on certainty, not possibility or even impossibility. That what the world is longing for, when you sit down this week and you have a chance to talk to a neighbor, maybe they're going through a difficult time in life, 
And they're just looking for some sense to be made of the life they're living. And they're looking for some, like, how does this all fit together? I'm looking for some hope that things are going to get better. If all we have to offer them is is, is saying, hey, if you do this financially, things will get better for you. Well, that's good. We can give them good principles and good, good, good ideas. But if our, if our hope is based strictly on things, we can also be guilty of sharing a false hope. See, I could sit there and I could, I could counsel someone, and there's nothing wrong with these things, but I could counsel someone and say, hey, here's some ways financially you could do some things better, and if you do this and do that, things will start to work out, and I can make those ideas and those promises, and then tomorrow they could lose their job. And it doesn't matter how organized I make them in their finances. If there's no income, things aren't necessarily going to work out the way that I imagined when I first started to put that plan together. But if I can offer them hope, not based on probability or possibility, but if I can offer them hope based upon the reality of God's promise, then it's a certainty, not a probability or even a possibility. Someone said it this way. They said, hope is a desire based on the promises of God. Again, hope is a desire based on the promises of God. If all I'm ever looking for is is to fulfill my need for hope in my life with the things that I think that I want. So I start to say, God, uh, I I know I should have some spiritual idea here. So God, I'm going to look for you for these things. But I really need, I hope I have this relationship work out. Or I hope I have this financial plan work out. Or I hope I have this this." this uh, career pursuit workout. I hope I get this raise. I hope I get this promotion. I hope my family starts to get along. And we have all of these hopes separate from the hope that God has for us. And our desires are out of whack. Now here's what I'm here to tell you is God's not here to remove desires from us. God wants us to have desires, but his idea is for the desires that we have to start to align with his desires for us. That as we start to say, God, I realize that, that this idea, that hope is a desire based on your promise, that God, I realize if I'm going to find any measure of satisfaction in my life, if I'm going to start to understand what true hope is, I have to realize the hope that I'm longing for is a hope based upon your promises, not on the things that I want. You see, we've all been there before. We've all chased after things that we said, man, if, if I could just have this, I would have some level of satisfaction. I would have this level of, of completion. And, and so we sit here, and, and all of us do this. It doesn't matter how long we've been trying to chase after Christ. We all do this. We sit down, and we look at our neighbor's yard, and their yard is all green. And we look at our yard, and we've, we started to get some rain, but we haven't had a whole lot of rain. And we sit here, and we look at our yard and say, man, I, I, I hope my yard would be like that one day. And we base our hope upon things that, listen, I'm not saying those things are wrong, but when we base our hope upon those things, it's an incomplete hope. And then we sit down for a cup of coffee with someone that's longing for true hope. And though the words that we have might match up with the faith that we possess, often the lives that we live don't. And so we sit down and they start to ask questions and I start to say, yeah, here's the hope that I have. The hope that I have is completely in Christ. And they say, okay, JJ, I know you say that, but I also see the way that you live. And how does the way that you live match up to what you say? In Psalm 39, David says this. He says, and now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. 
See, if, I'm, if I have more than just this deep longing for something that's out there, some, some idea or, 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 or some, some event, or I'm longing for something to happen in my life, if beyond that longing for these, these temporal things, you see, I long for something, I want to have that. And maybe it's some area of technology, we say, if I could just get that, or, or if I could just reach this financial goal, if I could have those things, that I'm going to reach the hope that I'm looking for. And once we reach those things, those things are incomplete. And so if it's the latest technology... That's great, but a year later, new technology comes out. I long for that. I hope for that. It's finances. I reach some financial goal, and that's great. But now that goal is gone. I have to reach out for something else. But if the hope that I have is eternal, if the hope that I have goes beyond just the words that I say, but I agree with David, and now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. If you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians chapter 1. If not, the words are going to appear up on the screen in just a second. At some point, we probably wrestled with this idea, and we started to grasp in our mind that, okay, I understand my hope should be found in Christ, and I agree with that statement, but the way I practically live out my life, it doesn't always work out that way. And so, though, though we think we grasp this, sometimes the way we live it out, it doesn't work out. And so, to Ephesians 1, Paul's writing to a church... And in the, the area that he's writing, this church he's writing to, it's actually a church that he helped. He was there a couple of years ago. He helped form this church. And now a couple of years have been removed. And he starts, just like we talked about last week with, with another church, he starts to get word about where this church is at and what the church is going through. And just like the church in Corinth, he starts to get word. He's actually in prison. He starts to get word about this church in Ephesus. And, and here's the deal. In the area of Ephesus, in that, in that region, there's, there was a lot of, of occultic stuff that was going on. There's a lot of magic stuff going on. There were a lot of people who didn't have a strong foundation in religious things and spiritual things and definitely not a strong foundation in Christianity. And so Paul starts to address some of those things. He starts to say, here are some things you need to work on. Here are some things you need to deal with. And he's writing to a church that though he helped form just a couple of years ago, the church has probably changed quite a bit. See, there are a lot of people that lived in the surrounding region. And though Paul was only there a couple of years ago, it was a very transient community. And so because of that, Paul had been there, and then Paul left. And in two years, new people have come in, and some people probably didn't know who Paul was. But they'd heard the stories about how he preached and the power with which he preached. And and they say, we want to hear what he has to say. And so Paul writes this letter. And in the letter, he begins it with this really, this, this extended greeting. He would, uh, a lot of times when we, when we write letters, we kind of have an ending greeting saying, hey, thank you, you're excited. Paul would do that at the very beginning of the letter. And so he begins the letter by, by greeting them. And part of that greeting, Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to pick up in verse 15. And he's talking about, in the midst of this greeting, how thankful he is for the Ephesian people. And he says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. He says, listen, as he begins this letter, he begins by complimenting them, saying, I've heard some great things about you. In fact, among the things I've heard about you, is, is the, the faith that you have in Jesus. Among the things I've heard about you is the love you have towards all the saints or all the other believers. He says, I, I've, I've heard this great report about you, and because I've heard these things about your faith in Jesus, because I've heard about the love that you have towards the saints, towards other believers, because I've heard these things, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. These people were important to Paul. He says, I've heard some great things. I've heard about the love that you have for God. I've heard about the care that you take in taking care of other believers. And so because of that, I don't stop giving thanks for you. 
remembering you in my prayers. He's saying, listen, all the time, whenever I'm praying to God, he brings up a remembrance of what your church is doing. Every time I think about you, I think about two things, the love that you have for God and the love that you have for the people, especially those that are believers. And he says, because of that, I give thanks on a routine basis for you, mentioning you all the time in my prayers. Verse 17, that the, Lord, that, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. And then verse 18 is where we start to get into really the meat of what we want to hit on. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may, that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And in verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of, the, of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might. We can go back and read verse 18 again, though. In verse 18, it says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know, and he starts to introduce three ideas. He says, here's what I want you to know. Number one, I want you to know the hope to which he has called you. As believers, we have to realize that this idea, that we have been called to hope, and the hope that we're called to is not a temporary hope. It's not something that we have today and it's gone tomorrow. It's not the hope that often we see that's been hijacked out in the world. But it's a permanent hope. And he says, here's what, I, here's what we have been called to. is this idea of hope that comes entirely, not in the things that, that we often pursue, not in the things that we chase, but a hope based entirely upon the person of Jesus. To realize that though I make mistakes, though I screw up on a routine basis, the love that he has for me will never fail me no matter how much I mess up. Then once I understand the depths of his grace, once I understand just how much he loves me, it gives me the confidence to move forward as a believer, as a child of God. I mean, God loves me that much. And God has called me to that hope. Hope found entirely in Jesus. And so he says, that you may know the hope that is in you, and that we may know also the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. That we may know the richness of, of what he's given us. Listen, I, as much as I try to do this thing right... I realize that, that we can all have these desires in our life to chase after things that are, that are very circumstantial. We chase after these things that we think that we want. And sometimes they're even healthy things. We want to have good relationships and we want to have financial stability. We want to have those things. But the truth is, I'm not in control of any of those things. To a certain degree, I can help out in certain situations, but I'm not in control of my future. Read the book of Job and, and see how sometimes those things that we think are stable are no longer there. But once I have the true measure of hope that's found in Jesus, that is permanent. Because it's not based upon me, it's not based upon the people that I care about. Truth is, I love my family. And I try the best to provide for my family, whether it be financially, whether it be emotional, whether it be spiritual, I try the best to, to, to meet the needs of my family. But sometimes as a human being, I fail. Their hope was simply in, in their dad or their husband. Hope would be incomplete. But once we realize the hope that's found in Jesus, that hope that is permanent, it changes who we are. It gives us the confidence to move forward that even though I mess up, even though I fail, even though on a routine mistakes, I, even on a routine basis I can make mistakes, God's love for me will never fail. And once I realize that, it gives me a genuine hope. To say, I know that I'm going to make mistakes. I know that I'm going to mess up. But this is me. The riches of, of the glory and, glorious inheritance is not because of the things that I do, but because of what Jesus did for me. 
And once I understand that, once I grasp that, it says that I have the hope. It says that I have the riches in verse 19. And that I have the, the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might. I have these things. I have the hope. I have the riches. I have his power. Not based upon me, but upon, based upon the hope that's found entirely in Jesus. Verse 20 says that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Paul's writing to a group of people, a group of people probably not very dissimilar from us. We're people and we make mistakes and we fail, and and then we start to surround ourselves with community and we try to do this thing right, and we try to offer hope. We reach out to our neighbors. We reach out to our family members who are longing for hope. We say, listen, I know mentally I get a good picture of my hope is found in Christ. Practically, sometimes I struggle with that. But when the world looks at us and the world says, wait a minute. I, I, again, they're going to realize we're mistake prone that we make those mistakes. But here's a group of people who are longing to chase and pursue Christ with everything that they have. That genuinely, as much as we can, our hope is found entirely upon him. Not just with the words that I speak. I think some of us, as as those that are trying to follow Christ, we do a good job speaking the words that we want to believe. Speaking the words that we want to live out. But often the way that we speak and the way we conduct our lives is very different. But once I can say the words that I speak are matched up by the life that I live, once I say, God, I don't just want to say my hope is entirely you within you, but I want to believe and I want to live out the idea that my hope is based entirely upon what Jesus did. And once I have that confidence, it affects every relationship that I have. Because I know as long as I have that, I cannot fail. As long as I have the hope, the eternal hope that's found in Jesus, I know my my eternity is secure. I know where my my eternity rests. And now as I try to go about these relationships that I have here on a temporary basis here on earth, I can say, listen, all this stuff, I might mess up, but I know one day I'm going to be in heaven with him. And I want to, as much as I can, share that hope of Jesus with the world around us. We have that hope. If we've made that decision to follow Jesus, we have that hope. Now the world needs to hear that message. The world needs to see that we genuinely believe that. Because as I said at the beginning, this world is longing for hope. And it doesn't take us being able to, to play a musical instrument or be able to sing a song. Though that's a unique gift, and some of us do have those gifts. But any one of us can sit down today. We can talk to our neighbors as we're out mowing the yard. We can go out to Starbucks and have those conversations with people that are hurting. People that are desperate for hope. Say, listen. I'm a human being, I make mistakes. The same way you long for hope, I long for hope. But here's what I discovered. Chasing after these things, they're all just idols. When I discovered what it meant to have hope in Jesus, it changed me forever. And once we have that hope, that permanent hope, the message that we have in the life that we live has been transformed. It's been changed. Now we have a chance to make an impact, not because we're perfect people, because we're broken, because we're, we're fallen. And yet God still loves us, and God provided hope for us through Jesus. He provides the same hope for the world around us. And the crazy thing is, God uses us as carriers of that hope. That's on every one of us. As we go throughout this week, that we are carriers of the hope 
that God has for this world. And that boggles my mind because I don't think I deserve that. I say, God, there has to be somebody more powerful. There has to be someone who is, is a lot stronger in these areas to be able to carry this, this idea of hope to this world. But God says, no, he wants us to be the carriers of his message, of his hope. That the hope that we have now in Jesus can be shared with a world that is longing and desperate for true hope. Let's pray.